Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to the Old Testament podcast. This is going to be for Leviticus chapter 2. I'm hoping that these uh, explanations of these sacrifices will be helpful, since uh, some of them seem kind of weird. Anyway, verse 1, And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it, and put frankincense thereon. Now, when it says meat offering, it also means, or the evening sacrifice. The word translated meat offering is a Hebrew word meaning a gift. Used in a sacrificial sense, the word refers to a gift of grain, flour, or breads. One meaning of the word meat is food. Through this offering, the individual acknowledged good as the giver of all things and surrendered what had been designated, that is, the fruit of the field, in supplication for power to fulfill his duty. Wheat or products made from wheat, with the addition of oil, frankincense, and salt, constituted each offering. In each case, the wheat had to be prepared in some way. Fine flour required the greatest effort in an age when grain was ground mostly by hand. Thus, the offerer's time, symbolic of his whole life, was invested in the offering. The bringing together of the oil, frankincense, and grain in this offering is instructive. Oil was used in the scriptures to symbolize the Holy Ghost, grain to symbolize the Word of God, and frankincense to symbolize prayer. As man was meant to live physically by eating bread, so too was he meant to live spiritually in Christ by partaking of the word and spirit of the Lord through prayer. Only a portion of the offering was burned. This requirement was true of all the offerings except the sin offering and burnt offering. The remaining portion became the property of the priests, and they were allowed to share it with members of their families. In this way, the priesthood was supported by the Lord during their time of service. Those portions of the sacrifice that were burned were designated as holy, whereas those portions to be eaten were designated as most holy. The distinction appears to be a safeguard. Little could happen to the portion of the sacrifice that was burned, but the portion that was left, if not carefully guarded, could be desecrated. The oblation of first fruits was not a sacrifice, but rather a gift of thanks and praise to the Lord for the harvest. If the offerer wanted to use a portion of this oblation as a meat offering, the Lord designated how it was to be done. That was all out of the Institute Manual. Verse 2, And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, and he shall take thereout his handful of the flour thereof, and of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof, and the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar, to be an offering made by fire, of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. And if thou bring an oblation of a meat offering, bacon in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. And if, any, and if thy oblation be a meat offering, baked, bacon in a pan, it shall be of fine flour unleavened mingled with oil. Thou shalt part it in pieces, and pour oil thereon, it is a meat offering. And if thy oblation be a meat offering, bacon in the frying pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. 
and thou shalt bring the meat offering that is made of these things unto the Lord. And when it is presented unto the priest, he shall bring it unto the altar. And the priest shall take from the meat offering a memorial thereof, and shall burn it upon the altar. It is an offering made by fire, of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And that which is left of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his son's. It is the thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. No meat offering which ye shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with leaven, for ye shall burn to leaven, nor with nor any honey, in any offering of the Lord made by fire. <clears throat> the prohibition against leaven also extended to honey. The ability of these elements to produce fermentation and spoilage made them excellent symbols of corruption, something which had no place in the refining and purifying effects of the law which the sacrifices symbolized. Whilst leaven and honey were forbidden to be used with any kind of meat offering, of any kind of meat because of their producing fermentation and corruption, salt, on the other hand, was not to be omitted from any sacrificial offering. Thou shalt not let the salt of the covenant of thy God cease from thy meat offering, i.e., thou shalt never offer a meat offering without salt. The meaning which the salt, with its power to strengthen food and preserve it from putrefaction and corruption, imparted to the sacrifice was the unbending truthfulness of that self-surrender to the Lord embodied in the sacrifice, by which all impurity and hypocrisy were, were repelled. The salt of the sacrifice is called the salt of the covenant, because in common life salt was the symbol of the covenant treaties being concluded and rendered firm and inviolable according to a well-known custom of the ancient Greeks, which is still retained among the Arabs by the parties to an alliance eating bread and salt together as a sign of the treaty which they had made, as a covenant of this kind was called a covenant of salt, equivalent to an indisposable, or no, in, indissoluble covenant, I guess indisposable, indissoluble, it won't come apart, so here the salt added to the sacrifice is designated as salt of the covenant of God because of its imparting strength and purity to the sacrifice by which Israel was strengthened and fortified in covenant fellowship with Jehovah. And that was by Kiel and Delich. Verse 12, As for the oblation of the first fruits, ye shall offer them unto the Lord, but they shall not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savor. And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou salt, season with salt, Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. And if thou offer a meat offering of thy firstfruits unto the Lord, thou shalt offer for the meat offering of thy firstfruits green ears of corn, dried by the fire, even corn beaten out of full ears. And thou shalt put oil upon it, and lay frankincense thereon. It is a meat offering. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it, part of the beaten, corn thereof, and part of the oil thereof, and with all the frankincense thereof, it is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So that's the end of chapter 2. I hope that was helpful in an understanding of what these symbolisms mean of these sacrifices. See you next time. Bye.